A real bodice ripper contains explicit, salacious, delicious, not safe for work content. Isn't that great? But no, seriously, listener discretion is advised. A real bodice ripper. 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 All right, here we are. I can't believe it. We're finally live. We made it. It did. Took some effort and some technical know-how, which we totally have. Right. Is your uh, constitution ready for some excitement? I think it is. Yes. I have a pretty good constitution. I hope so. <laughs> after that, after, honestly, uh, my constitution was put in place after the technical mishap that just happened. But anyway, we're yes. here. No one understands what we're talking about, but we're here. But we're here. <laughs> and so you know that we figured it out. We did. And we've made it to this safe space. I'm Jesse. I'm Rachel. And this is... A Real Bodice Ripper, a podcast that explores the delicious, guilty, and sometimes problematic pleasure that is found in romance novels. Just sometimes. Sometimes. As a whole. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, sometimes often. Sometimes meaning often, but you know, sometimes there are also books that are inventive and creative and and bold. Not super problematic. Yeah. Really at all, which is kind of refreshing and kind of fun. Yes, exactly. So we have a fun book for you. We do. We have a fun book. We have an HEA. Um, I am so excited to... Or GTFO. HEA or GTFO. Or I found out there's another one, HFN. Happily for now? Yes. Oh! <laughs> Happy for now. <laughs> Who knows where it'll go after this, but right now we're going to just cut... Where everyone's smiling and feeling good. <laughs> exactly. I feel like most I, happily ever afters are actually HFNs. Yes. Because, like, I mean, we don't know what happens. A lot of a lot of romance novels are like uh, the beginning of a romance and everything's yes. great. But like cut to that relationship five years later. Yeah. You know. Yep. Where when it's like. start having kids. Sex with law and order in the background. Yeah. I've actually never done that. That would be very traumatizing for me. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Um, yeah, so this one is an HEA, which is lovely because mm-hmm. it's also um, like female on female. Yeah, queer. Queer romance novels. Hell yeah. Yeah. Check. Doing some exploration there. And yeah. I suppose we can tell you what this book is. Do you want to know? Did the title of this podcast not give it away? But <gasps> we, I mean, yeah. sometimes we don't pay attention to that. But we're bringing you a lovely book um, called That Could Be Enough. It is a novella from the Hamilton's Battalion Anthology by Alyssa Cole. I will go ahead and get the show on the road. We'll go ahead and read the book description. Mm-hmm. Um, so here we go. This is the book description for That Could Be Enough. Mercy Alston knows the best thing to do with pesky feelings like love and hope. Avoid them at all costs. Serving as a maid to Eliza Hamilton and an assistant in the woman's stubborn desire to preserve her late husband's legacy has driven that point home for Mercy, as have her own previous heartbreaks. 
pay attention to that. Mm, yeah. When Andromeda Steele shows up at the Hamilton Grange for an interview in her grandfather's stead, Mercy's resolution to live a quiet, pain-free life is tested by the beautiful, flirtatious, and entirely overwhelming dressmaker. Mm. Mm. Andromeda has stayed Mercy reconsidering her worldview, but neither is prepared for love or what or for what happens when it's not enough. This is an angsty but fluffy female f slash f novella with a happy ending for both of our intrepid heroines. Yeah, like as a queer non-binary person, I'm like, how do I read ff? Is it female? I always female? say female on female. Female. I, I just, don't know if that's the image great. I just get is like just a woman just lying one, on another, <laughs> lying on top of the other. <laughs> but this is our female on female. Little just here is sandwich. our male on male. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, yeah, so that's the description for this. I think it's a really good description of the book after finishing it. It's, it's Mm -hmm. pretty much, it's a book about kind of second chances, uh, uh, finding, what do you say to second chances, you know, what do you say to having the the courage to take those second chances. Exactly. So, and as we mentioned, it's a novella. So this is actually from an anthology that has a couple other stories kind of based around the Hamilton-ish times. Mm -hmm. Um, This one actually is happening after Hamilton has already died. So our Sometime, because I actually did some research, and oh. Hamilton died in 1804, and this book takes place in 1820. Yeah, so it's a good... She was never there then. Mercy Alston has been with them for 10 years, so she never knew the man. Right. They but, probably mentioned that in the book, too. <laughs> <laughs> but she's very um, familiar with the family. She's very much like... She's she's helping. Um, we'll get into this, but she's helping Eliza scribe all these interviews. And yep. Eliza's sole purpose, and you know, right now is to tell his story, to tell his story, and to open an orphanage. That's her other thing. She's oh, doing. It, oh, it is. Oh, yeah, yeah. She was known for opening an orphanage, which is interesting with Mercy being an orphan. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So, um, so exactly. Yeah. Let's yeah. tell you a little bit about our author because uh, yeah. This woman is kind of amazing. <laughs> so, Alyssa no Cole. <laughs> no pressure. Uh, this Alyssa Cole, who is our author, she's award-winning, and she writes inclusive historical, contemporary, and sci-fi romance. She often sets her stories during important events in American history, such as the Revolutionary and Civil Wars, the Civil Rights Movement, and the Harlem Renaissance. Nice. She's a prominent figure Um, in the effort to increase the representation of black authors in the romance publishing industry. And she often speaks on the subject in panels and on her Twitter. When she's not working, she can usually be found watching anime. Yeah, same. Or wrangling her pets. Same. Also same. (laughs) Also same. Um, You can find her online at AlyssaCole.com. And you can follow her on Twitter and Instagram at AlyssaColeLit. Right. And you guys... She has a new book coming she, out soon. She does. She does. The year of 2020. Yeah, like to this there's now. something good to look forward to <laughs> exactly. this year. <laughs> more romance. Well, September actually, 15th. Romance, like this one, it sounds like a little bit more of like a thriller. So yeah. it could definitely have the romance aspects to it, but it's also a thriller. And it's called When No One Is Watching, coming out September 15th. And this is described as rear window meets get out in this gripping thriller from a critically acclaimed and New York Times notable author in which the gentrification of a Brooklyn neighborhood takes on a sinister new meaning. 
<laughs> it, sounds it sounds fun and exciting <laughs> and ooh, horrifying too. But yeah, it's, it, I mean, or it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to reading it. I'm just like, wh- what's the sinister new meaning? <laughs> Where's this going? <laughs> I have to, we'll hope have to read it to find turns. Out. I love it's, I mean, you know this about me. I love horror f- and thrillers. And yes. So I'm intrigued. <laughs> yeah, me too. I have to go check it out. Um, but no, I'm true. Alyssa Cole's work, like, her her work has been kind of suggested and re- recommended numerous times over to me. Um, she's just, if you take like even a cursory glance at the romance genre ecosystem, her name is coming up a lot. She's got, she's an amazing writer and she's kind of like, she's bringing forth amazing stories and like, I just have been so, I'm so excited to read her work. I'm reading another one of her works right now and uh, it's part of the Reluctant Royals series. Ooh. So. Ooh. And I really, uh, I really was drawn to it because the uh, main character has, well, one of the main characters has ADHD. <laughs> Portia, Hobbs. so you can see yourself. Yes, absolutely. I also have ADHD, and it was just—it's nice to see kind of that like neurodivergence in romance. So, yeah, yeah. Um, Alyssa, I mean, among all this, has a lot, a lot of stuff going on. She also has this really great newsletter you can sign up for on her website. Um, which is inspired by another main character in the Reluctant Royal series, uh, Reggie Hobbs. I have not read that one yet. So, but I, the Girls with Glasses, I believe, is a business or a, an enterprise that Reggie has in the books, and she's also a nerd. So, in that namesake, the the Girls with Glasses newsletter and podcast, it's it features interviews with authors and anime and book recs. Um, so you should definitely check it out. Check out yeah. all like the universe that Alyssa has created mm-hmm. and support her. And I hope you enjoy this this book, this novella we're gonna dive into. Yeah. Yeah. So. And then were you wanting to talk a little about why we're doing this book? Yes. Oh, right. Why? 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 <laughs> why this book? We, why are we here? We're trying to include a little bit more context, like why we choose the books we do, because I think there always is an intentional choice. And I think, I mean, number one, historical romance. Check. Check. It's so fun. I really love historical romance because there's stuff that you can learn mm-hmm. about it, even though we sit there and we're like, that's not completely accurate. <laughs> it's just fun, the things that do come up that you can learn about. I'm definitely, it makes me this kind of amateur historian. Mm-hmm. I like dive into these rabbit holes of, now was coffee really served at this time? <laughs> in Scotland. In Scotland. I don't feel like they had coffee then. I refuse to believe this and I'm going to research it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I, I love learning about things um, as well. I don't, I, I definitely don't go into as deep as dives as you do, but I enjoy when you do on this podcast. <laughs> that I can come and share with you. <laughs> I know. I'm like, like last time we reviewed a book, you were like, I don't even think they had fountains. I don't even, I was like would not have known that pools of water were not a part of life in this time in history. But you know what? You never know because like running water and that whole thing. You forget living in 2020 that things just haven't always been this way. And the 18th century is definitely one of those time periods where I could could learn more about as it was a – what's the word I'm looking for? A pivotal time in the history of – the world and this country specifically so i'm glad i got to read this book historical romance check queer romance check i because i mean i love queer romances as a queer person i did not grow grow up reading any queer romances 
I just, I, they were all on my aunt's bookshelf and they were all like dukes and earls and, and mm-hmm. they were like brooding and, blah, blah, and I was just like, okay, but like, where's, where are people that are not straight like me? You know, my 13 year old self probably didn't ask it that way, but so <laughs> it, it's really nice to read a queer historical romance because yeah. we are basically also recognizing that queer people have existed and it's Always. fun to read about queer people in historical settings because it's like, it's like history for me. I'm like, ooh, yay. Yeah. <laughs> you were there. <laughs> <laughs> you guys were there. People like me were around then. Like, mm-hmm. this isn't something new. This isn't something different. Queer relationships have always been around. So Exactly. It's, it's yeah. lovely and it's fun. And I think you were saying, was this your first time reading Female and Female? This, so this was my, I have read, <laughs> and so I think with like the invention of the internet, right? Um, it's definitely not my first time like reading a female on female or like a non-straight story, but a lot of those were like fanfics. (laughs) (laughs) So this is my first foray. Thank you, Alyssa, into like a published, like authentic romance novel that was like two women. And I was so excited to read it, match that with the historical, um, fun, fun, fun piece. And I was just, I was excited. And as I read the book, I, it was really beautiful to read like because neither of them are like they're grumpy they're flawed you know they have their flaws but like they're not like I guess they're just not the stereotypical like I'm a brooding duke who's going to treat you like shit and then you're going to somehow change me and (laughs) I will change you (laughs) together we will be changed (laughs) so it was just kind of extraordinary to read that and so I really appreciate that representation um and I also just think it's amazing to read more like like stories about like black stories featuring like non-white romance in a industry that has whitewashed historically like yeah. n- like non-white experiences or yeah non-white experiences. I think it's just it's really powerful, and so I think these kind of stories should be given a platform. Yeah, right? like when we first got our Twitter going, one of the very first things we had tweeted was an article that you had found from yeah. Shondaland.com and it was called uh, Black Romance mm-hmm. Matters 2. Yeah, I think it's, I think, uh, yeah, I don't want to like change the headline, but I think it's like Black Romance ma- Matters 2. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, that's so, essentially I mean, what it's saying. It was, it was taking a spin on like the Black Lives uh, mm-hmm. movement and um, Carol V. Bell did this great article where she's talking about how it is very much a whitewashed mm-hmm. genre and how not only does that come from kind of, you know, obviously the white side of us like, whitewashing everything. And yeah, like the, <laughs> like a pervasive history of like systemic racism in the yeah. publishing industry where it was like, you know, it's not that these stories haven't always existed. It's that they weren't given a platform in publishing companies. Yes. Um, and I think that's a, a big problem because like mm-hmm. we're, we need to like cover the entire human experience. Right. Yeah. And one thing that Carol mentions is that there, she believes part of the thing is that people are afraid of the whole happy ever after get the fuck out thing, which mm-hmm. that's why the first time I'd seen that and I loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a great thing, but she feels like sometimes there's a fear to go into these um, romances because they happen with this background, especially in historical romances mm-hmm. where people think, of the struggle that was mm-hmm. there and how 
her point was that even with this long history of fighting and standing up for themselves and having difficult circumstances around them, there were still people living their lives, having joyful experiences, having love that's worth talking about. And um, that's also something I believe that Alyssa kind of mentions in her historical note Mm. at the end, which we'll talk a little bit more about because that was my favorite, (laughs) um, having that nestled in at the end of the book. Yeah, I think we'll talk more about too how that, that expanded my worldview as well. Like about an eighteen, yes. you know, the eighteenth century in general. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it, joyful stories are important. Like we have to, we can, t- we obviously need to talk about oppression and the difficulties and like that are still happening, still playing out right now. But I also think it's important to like read stories of joy and happily ever after. And yeah. in an, I think in an interview I listened to with Alyssa, um, she loves HEAs. Yes, that's her thing. Yes, it's very important to her writings. I mean, same. I love HEA. <laughs> I'll it take us. one, thanks. <laughs> For my life, yes, please. Let's yeah. do that. Yeah, so. Yeah. yeah and so, um, in that article, I also did want to mention I'd found an amazing Twitter. Oh, yeah. Called at WOC in Romance, which uh, of course stands for Women of Color in Romance. And it is all about promoting the works of women of color and native and indigenous women in romance fiction. And this is just a really great platform to follow. They give different announcements of like upcoming books Mm -hmm. that are being published. They highlight specific books and there's great conversation happening on their page. So I really, as I'm learning Twitter and we are starting our baby Twitter, I'm like, like... I'm following them because I don't know how to Twitter. You guys, I don't know how to Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) I, don't. I, I actually like call it the tweeter for some reason when You're, I'm doing, being silly like, alone. You sound like 2009 right now or yes. something. Like, I, but, but, no, I'm going to teach you to tweeter. Okay, um, <laughs> I would like to tweeter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, it's, it's. I think they're a great follow and to kind of find more of these titles out and to like give to like basically read inclusive romance and that's important. So, and that's what kind of what we want to also do in this podcast. We want to. We're looking at all genres, we're looking at all voices, and I mean, if we just did things about the romance novels that I've read in my history, they would all be about supernatural creatures, (laughs) (laughs) and some of them get a little bit erotic, (laughs) but we want more than that. We want depth and and to explore new things, and it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I think it's really important, too, and and so we'll have the the gamut on here. Um, so, so let's okay. get into our ratings. Yes. So every every episode, we're also going to rate the book on different categories. So we'll get into that now. I think the first one we're doing is our spice rating. Spice rating. And so spice rating, for this, it's not just about sex. It's about no. anticipation. And the other thing to think about is also it's kind of looking at like sweetness and spiciness. So the full lower profile. ratings don't <laughs> necessarily mean that there isn't sex happening and that there isn't delicious tension, but it's saying like, this one was more sweet mm-hmm. rather than spicy. Right. Um, so that's a way to think of it. It's out of five. Yeah. Um, so for overall spice rating for this book, I gave it a three out of five. And that is because it's definitely, it's more on the sensual sweet side there is a beautiful connection that's built between the two main characters over time 
there is a lot of anticipation. There is a lot of will, will she, won't she. Um, there's a lot of knuckle touching on the back. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, in terms of, like, spiciness, it wasn't super, super, like, erotic, which is totally fine. So I gave it a three because I just, I still think it's, like, a really powerful... A, f- a powerful flavor profile <laughs> of spice. <laughs> and I gave it a two. Uh, we have this little spice rating of pepper. So I'm like, oh. this is a poblano pepper. <laughs> it, yeah, that's under the bold section. It's a bold pepper. So bold, I think that fits. But sweet. So yeah, for me, it was really, it's, it's less spicy, more sweet. Um, so I kind of put it more towards that end of the spectrum. Yeah. Um, and then we go into our, our next rating is the tropes. Oh, the trope ratings. And for those who are unsure what a trope is, let me tell you, a trope is commonly recurring in, as a literary and rhetorical device, motifs or cliches in creative works. And the world is kind of built around tropes. Writing is built around tropes. But the thing that is beautiful is seeing people that make tropes feel new and different. They kind of use what we're familiar with to make it different and fun and exciting. And I think that we saw a really good example in this book of tropes that were used, but were made new and made to feel kind of inventive and like something to chew on that was like, oh, that's an interesting like way to look at that. Um, And so I gave for this book, I gave it a two because I don't think it was like super heavy on the tropes after reading our Highlander book last time and it was oh, just like it was just hitting dripping. you in the face with was, tropes yeah it was like right in the face punch um and yeah <laughs> this this one was a little more subtle yeah so it definitely had some tropes I gave it a 2.5 things we saw were the woman scorned mm-hmm. determined to never love again forbidden love a big miscommunication that drives them apart, her being an orphan. So there's a good amount of tropes, but it really did feel original and different. And um, so I think Alyssa did a really great job of using the things you're familiar with, but bringing it to you in a fresh new way. Exactly. So, um, and then finally, overall rating. Yeah. Overall. Uh, All things considered. All things considered, like our rating of the, the book and I gave it a four out of five. I think, I think the only thing that would have made it a five out of five is if I got more, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, cause I, I, it, cause it's a novella. It's a little mm-hmm. bit more short and concise. So, um, beautiful story, but there's definitely character development happens in a smaller period of time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I also gave it a four. I thought it was amazing and wonderful. All it was so beautifully written, and I appreciate that as someone who also writes. But, I mean, I have heard from other writers that a short story is literally one of the hardest things to write as well. I will put that out there because you, with you, when you have a whole book, like hundreds of pages, you have more time to flex or to flesh things out. But with a short story or like a you novella. Got to get through it. Brevity is the soul of wit, as they say. <laughs> so I think this was, I think this was, this was an amazing book. I yeah. Mean, and a Goodreads had it at a 4.07, so really well-received and liked by many people. So you should check it out. <clears throat> All right. Um, so right before we jump into, like, what happens in this book, I think we'll review the main characters. Tell you a little bit about these ladies. Yeah. Um, would you like to start? Uh, yeah. First of all, we have uh, Mercy Alston. And um, I would say that she's like kind of the primary yes. main character. It starts in her point of view. And we're also going to see some things through Andromeda's eyes. But 
um, Mercy is on a big journey in this book. Mm -hmm. And she is a free black woman who's been orphaned and has been serving as a maid in the Hamilton household for the last 10 years. And she is jaded. (laughs) She had been in love. It did not work out. And she is broken about this. So she is living a life very closed off. She feels everything deeply. She feels. Oh, I'm like beauty, mercy, everything. Are you a Pisces? (laughs) (laughs) She is. I'm a Pisces and I feel other people's feelings. Yes. And so she's our main Mm -hmm. uh, heroine. She's, yeah, she's, um, She's been through it, you know, I mean, and we learn this in the book about her history of losing her parents and and just to where she's come come from. And like, finally, she's at this place when the book begins. We almost feel like we start off our book at the the end of a heartbreak. And, you know, we've you know, it's like after the dust is settled and, you know, she's here. So she's yeah, you're right. And we'll talk about it more. But she's very she's very closed off um, and it's not thrilling, but it's safe. Is that kind of how I feel about it? Like for her? Yes. Yeah, yeah, she's but she's okay got with that. She's a... making a choice. She's making a choice to turn away from that passion that she has, just like the passion of the inside. Right, and then, of course, because this is a romance novel, someone has to come disrupt the fuck out of that. And that <laughs> is Miss Andromeda Steele. Hell yeah. Oh my goodness, you guys, Andromeda. I love this character. Oh my goodness. She is also a free black woman. And she is a businesswoman. She's an entrepreneur. She mm-hmm. is an entrepreneur. She runs her own dressmaking shop. And she is on her way to figuring out owning a boarding house as well. Yeah, she's a woman about town. She's a powerful force to be reckoned with. You know, as we read through the book, you're going to see that Andromeda, she knows people. She's like waving to people. She's t- they know her. She's got, she knows their business. Literally, she has their business and she knows their business. Yeah, she pays attention. Mm-hmm. I think everyone feels seen by her. I felt seen by her. (laughs) (laughs) She just looked right on over at you and said, Jesse. And I was like, yep. Yes. Anything. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) So, but she's a force to be reckoned with. um, And she like, you know, and it's interesting because she is the granddaughter of Elijah Sutton, who is a character that Alyssa has written about in another one of her novels um, called Be Not Afraid. Um, and it's a story of his, um, kind of fighting for his freedom, mm-hmm. um, and finding the love of his life. I mean, I have not read the book, so I'm not like going to go too far into it. Cause I don't want like, I don't know what happens. So I mean, like, that's but what we get snippets I know. of his story. We do as well. Just he like was, little um, mentions here and there. He was, she lives up to his namesake as well. Like she's yeah. like a force to be reckoned with. It sounds like very passionate gets the yes. 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 Right. And really interestingly, the name has meaning. Ah, yes. As Andromeda means advising like a man, mindful of a man. And so I found that really interesting because she does have what we traditionally think of as a masculine sort of energy where she is more, you know, assertive and going for what she wants. She's that businesswoman. Mm -hmm. And um, so, like, to me, just... I mean, you hear the name Andromeda, and that instantly has me like, ooh, mm-hmm. Andromeda, where is this? what is this? I need to know more about this. I am a historian oh. now, and I'm finding out more about this name. History deep dive, Rachel's deep history dive deep me. dive. Okay. Um, so <laughs> what I have found also fun about the name of Andromeda is that it comes from Greek mythology, and this 
Andromeda was the princess of the kingdom of Kush, which is kind of where the whole Nubian mm. empire was, oh, nice. where modern day Ethiopia lies. And so within Greek mythology, this was a ca- character that was a person of color. Um, mm. She was the daughter of Cassiopeia, who angered the gods. I just feel like Greek mythology, chapter one, you angered a god. Yeah. That's yeah. it. You like, have to anger a god. Are you existing? If you, you have an anger anger god. god. Okay, sorry, yeah. continue. Um, and I mean, they're a little sensitive. Like, the gods are a little overly sensitive. It's like they created all this cool stuff, and so now they feel like they <laughs> entitled are entitled to it. And it's like, so yeah. entitled. But anyways, Cassiopeia insulted Poseidon's Nereids by saying that she was more beautiful than them. So obviously he <laughs> needed to destroy their kingdom. A little dramatic. I mean, I think that that is a uh, valid reaction. Oh. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you said you're more pretty you than my, my little fancy ladies. Uh, no. <laughs> and so Cassiopeia and her husband are like, you know what? I realize I did wrong. Here, we're going to sacrifice our child to your monster and they tied up their daughter Andromeda on a cliffside leaving her to be eaten by a sea monster oh my god because I mean I did wrong so let me give you my daughter no (laughs) fuck this took a dark turn as like old stories usually do yeah but you know what they also take a good turn because Perseus was on his way back from slaying Medusa, flying along with those little sandals, mm-hmm. and he saw her there and was like, she is so beautiful, I must have her. And so he kills the monster, and he saves her, marries her, and takes her back to Greece to be a queen. Nice. So Andromeda is a queen of Greece, started as a princess, down in the kingdom of Cush, becomes and a queen. And all she had to do was almost get sacrificed by almost her own get parents. Sacrificed. And it's just really, and I love that it, this was a character from this ancient mythology that is a person of color. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just kind of beautiful to me that now this character has that name and there's mm-hmm. just all that historical context to it. I think yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's a beautiful, I mean, I guess at the end it was a beautiful story. It's beautiful because she became a queen. Right, right. And yeah. got to escape from her parents that are just sacrificing her because they fucked up. <sighs> Rude. That's relevant. Anyway, um, <laughs> so, okay, yeah, so th- so we have these two main characters. They're kind of the leads, in, they are the leads in the story, and we're going to be kind of exploring how do they fall in, in love, love, and is it enough? Is it enough? So, enough. will that be enough? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I can't not hear that <laughs> whenever I read the title. <laughs> right. So when our, our, our story, you know, it opens with Mercy having, you know, she's she's working at Hamilton Grange, which mm-hmm. is where the Hamilton family lives. She's an integrated part of the family. You know, she's a mage, but she's also like, she seems very close to everyone. I mean, she's yeah. a companion to daughter she's Angelica. She's very connected with the family. Mm-hmm. Like, she's an important person to them. Yeah. And um, I think the the first part really does a, a fine job of exploring that she is feeling kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, kind of, again, like closed off. Closed off. And we're being introduced to that, to Mm -hmm. 
her seeing the light and or bird and sensing the beauty. Yes, I I think at one point she has she mentions like that she has seen a bird flying through the air with rip in its mouth brought her to tears because it's so beautiful. A a a, um, a flower pressed between the pages of a book brought her more <sighs> sustenance than food. So, so beautiful. She's an artist at heart, but yep. yet she no she no, goes she's, back. She's cutting that off. Um, her her writing now is very just forward. It's more like a captain's log. <laughs> she's trying to keep it like a captain's oh log. Oh my goodness, there's a part where she's like, these are the things I did today. This thing, this, this, this thing. Yearning. No, 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 no yearning. <laughs> and she yearn. crosses it out. <laughs> yeah. And she put, slept. <laughs> I, I didn't mean, yearn. I didn't yearn. Don't, no. No. Yeah, I slept. Yeah, so she's she's obviously like kind of just she's struggling um i think and so but this morning i think it's the morning time she kind of wakes up goes about her duties and when she comes up the stairs there is an angel an angel and that angel is andromeda um who you know and and mercy is just awestruck with her beauty she's she like is oh. illuminated by the light surrounding her her beauty is almost painful to Mercy, especially because yeah. Mercy doesn't want to fall in love again. She's, oh, no. She does not want to fall in love. Her constitution can't take it. Nope. And then this beautiful angel touches her face. Yes. And there's, like, this really powerful moment where, like, Mercy knows that there's they have an exchange, and Mercy is put in her place, she says. like Because Andromeda kind of, she's a declarer. She's a declarer. She comes out, and she's like, this is what I want. This is what I'm doing, and y'all should know. Yeah. You should know. Right. And um, Mercy's aware of that. So Mercy kind of confronts, you know, confronts her like, you know, can I help you? There's a face touch. They have an exchange of sorts, and Mercy's like, I'm in trouble. Um let me get as far away from you as possible, except the fact she that she has to interview her. She has to interview her. She's there to give an interview to Miss Hamilton and her grandfather's dead because her her grandfather too fought old. along. Too, too old. old. He's, he's to sick. travel. He needs to get well. Yeah. Right. Um, plus, this is her story now. Yep. So <laughs> <laughs> Stay in your book. Stay this in is your book. My book now. <laughs> um, and so Mercy has to scribe this interview that Andromeda is kind of giving to Miss Hamilton. Miss Hamilton's just salivating over oh, anything she, to do mean, with Alexander. Anything to do with Alexander, and then delivered by Andromeda, who's so passionate and mm -hmm. like, fierce. Like she is captivated as. Is Mercy, and you can tell in her writing. Yeah, that's what Miss Hamilton Suddenly, the did. beauty comes out in her writing. Mm -hmm. And as uh, Miss Hamilton's looking over, Liza's looking over, and she's like, oh, this is, this is a lot beautiful, way more beautiful than what you <laughs> usually do. I want more of this. You should do more of this. Mercy's like, shit. <laughs> I let it get out. I know. She's like, God, I shouldn't have been so good at what I do. Keep it inside. Don't feel. Don't let them know. Yeah, it's like, conceal. Don't feel. Don't let them know. <laughs> oh, God, sorry. So many uh, Disney references here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so anyway, um, after Andromeda leaves, there's they have to end the interview. Angelica needs some tending to. You know, Angelica's oh, yes. the daughter struck with grief. She's really not going to ever be over Philip's death. Yeah, never. And that's, I was, when I first read that, I was like, was that a thing? Like, because, you mm -hmm. know, the curiosity 
is raised. You're like, oh, this is an actual person that existed. Was this person really this way? And she totally was. Yeah. When Angelica's brother died, I think um, she was like in her late teens or somewhere thereabouts. And I don't remember. He died a couple years before Hamilton did. He died before um, Hamilton did. And when her brother died, she was just struck with grief mm-hmm. and kind of became these eternal child like she wouldn't believe that he was dead she always thought he'd be coming home at Mm -hmm. any moment and she spent her entire life and leading up till then she was one of those very accomplished ladies of society um she could play beautiful music and did beautiful art and just like was doing all those things that ladies do that are like kind of useless but well playing the piano (laughs) i mean i do wish i could play the piano that's true i just never had patience i just don't think they these these things weren't a value considered a value because you know they're not like i think now they're not considered a value yeah i mean that's what they that's what they brought to the table they did like i do need a point Exactly. Well, I mean, give them other opportunities and maybe they would have done things. Yeah, maybe. Um, maybe they would have their own business and start a boarding house. Exactly. I mean, that's that's true. Um, yeah. And that's what that's what grief does. You know, it's a the grief can regress somebody. And it sounds like she's very much in like that stage of granny, gr- grief of grief. Granny. Grief. That's like the de- she's in denial. But because like I think the, the whole reason the interview ends is because like. Uh, it, she's basically upset that Philip hasn't picked her up yet. Yeah. Right? Why, where is he? He's he, running late. Yeah, and he's he's obviously been dead for quite some time. Yeah. So. And, I mean, we kind of talked about how there's stages of grief all throughout this book. There's a lot. And I feel like Angelica's staying in this kind of state always is somewhat reflective of what Mercy is trying to do. She's trying to shut herself down, mm-hmm. not allow in the real world and mm-hmm. the things that will change her and maybe make her happy again. Exactly. I mean, it's safe. It feels safe and it's a, it, it's a protective mechanism of sorts. And yeah, there's a, there's like so many cycles of grief in the book. So yeah. So, um, what happens, I guess, is that the, the show must go on and so must the interview. So yeah. Eliza asks Mercy on her day off, to go into the city. <laughs> to go to the city to the dressmaker's shop where Andromeda owns. Downtown looking pretty. Um, I really like the part where, like, Andromeda can basically tell it's Mercy knocking. Oh, yeah. And then she, like, watches her walk away, like, two to three times before. Yeah. And she's just, like, And she's just letting her do her thing. She doesn't, like, go open the door <laughs> to be like, hey. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, she, she'll, she'll figure it out. She, yeah. She's got this. I'm, yeah. I'm going to let her come to me i'm I'm still gonna be forceful and out there but you have to also let her come to you yes sorry i was That's gonna important. make a joke but <laughs> <laughs> no i was gonna <sighs> um so <laughs> you have to let her come to okay yeah but you know what i'm sorry i okay this is too sweet of a maybe it's not too sweet of a book but like this is I'm not going to disgrace right now with my perverted mind. <laughs> the point is that <laughs> um, it sounds like a sexy mind to sexy me. Sexy mind, not perverted. You're right. You're right. Um, so yeah, um, Mercy shows up. Of course, this is the first time she gets to see Andromeda's like whole life and her, her dress shop. Goes down to Montgomery Ward. Montgomery Ward. That's right. Not the store. 
the ward in oh New York. God. I actually, this was another one of those holes where I was like, Montgomery Ward, is that named after the store? Is the storm named after that? What is this? Nothing to do with each other, you guys. Nothing. Yeah. It's just a section of the city, but it was this great section where a lot of the freed black people lived, mm-hmm. as well as oh. like some different immigrants that were kind of... N- had the harder times, <laughs> like okay. Irish and um, all right. So it was like a, a large immigrant population, large like, immigrant population. But this is where they're thriving. This is where they are starting businesses and mm-hmm. creating community with each other. And um, it's also near where Mercy grew up. I I read. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So pretty and, near to there. Definitely um, not because she was able to visit her orphanage and then because she mm. goes and volunteers at the orphanage sometimes. <gasps> That's right. Uh, so she visited the orphanage and then popped over there. That's what she usually does on her days off rather than visiting sexy women to write their stories of their grandfathers. Yeah. Um, but, and, because I sure we're all like, where is this Montgomery Ward? Well, I was like, where would this be in modern day times? And after Hamilton much, Grange is in Harlem, it's right? In Har- it's in the quiet, quiet areas of Harlem. <laughs> oh my God. Um, where... Yeah, it's quiet up there. <laughs> I mean, at this time <laughs> at it this is. Time. And this is the bustling city. And I did a lot of really good amateur historian work where I found ancient maps and combined them to maps of today and said, huh, it's like they didn't actually know what things looked like from above. Yeah. Um, it's this, almost like they didn't have satellites. This is, it's like they're not satellites. <laughs> they don't have drones. <laughs> like, like this person has no idea. Um, but based on what I could gather, it seems like we're looking at the Lower East Side. Okay. In Manhattan. That, that seems about right. Yeah. I mean, as an amateur historian, I feel fairly confident <laughs> in this. You just, this <laughs> distinction is self-administered. <laughs> I recently adapted. <laughs> I recently received my self-proclaimed. I, <laughs> I Googled. Yeah, I Googled no, a I mean, lot. Good. Um, Googling is a good thing. So, but I, I think that's fine. And so we have this idea of like, she's traveling quite a bit ways downtown, if you will. Mm-hmm. No, no A train, no, nope. you know, I'm not, yeah, like the A train. Gotta take in a car. Like the, the West side. But yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so, so she makes her way downtown and reaches the shop. Um, and it's, and it's a bustle. It is. Like, the shop is like Andromeda, a little bit, like, yes. messy, but also has these beautiful things in it. And, and can I say, as someone with ADHD, I really appreciate all the little details that I don't, I don't know if Andromeda has ADHD, but she's impulsive, but not wasteful. No. Right. Which is important because I'm like, impulsive, it's, 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 she's almost mindful. Like, she makes a mental note throughout the book, like, don't be impulsive, don't be impulsive. Like, don't be impulsive, don't, don't be impulsive. <laughs> Like, don't, sorry, no one, if you watch TikTok, then you know what I'm talking about. But anyway, so she like, but she's also like, there's, there's some like messiness to her yeah. in the shop and Mercy notices. Of yep. course you'd notice that. I notice. Yeah. yeah you know, exactly. <laughs> in my house. Ex- yeah. Mm. But it's, it's kind of like, you know. But there's some order. There are different things are meant for different situations. I just appreciated that not everything was perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So. It was great. And Andromeda's like. Let's get out of here. We're going to go get some food together. I need sustenance. We need sustenance if we're going to do this. And reluctantly, Mercy goes and they go to a tavern. Writes her story. And then 
Andromeda's like, and now I'm taking you somewhere. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of flirting. It's like kind of like subtle flirting and Mercy shuts down a lot. But And then, yeah, she's like, let's go somewhere else. And I think kind of whisks Mercy whisks into a away. carriage, which at first I was like, where are you taking Mercy? She hasn't really seemed down for this, but Andromeda is like got a little motor. And I think, I think she also kind of sees in Mercy this like unappreciated pattern. If you want to take a dressmaking, like she kind of yes. sees that pattern. That's like, oh, we should, we should kind of like, like show off this a little bit more, like kind of style it this way. Yeah. And so she's, she's tapping into that. She really does need to like, she needs to see sides of Mercy. She also needs to touch her. She touches her arm. Yes. So she creates situations by taking her to the theater. The theater. The theater, you guys, where Shakespeare is being practiced. <gasps> yes. And where it's people of color performing it. Yeah. And I think this is really important and really sacred and like kind of precious for, for Mercy, obviously, because I think she's living in this... She's living, you know, up to uptown, I guess people, I don't know if they'd call it that, like out <laughs> in the country at this point and writing, writing like interviews about this guy who died. Like, I mean, I'm, I mean, yep. I know she loves this family, family team. We are the family. <laughs> oh my gosh. Sorry. <laughs> See, I talked too fast before the word is finished. But, um, but I mean, I think it was really important for her to kind of be surrounded by art, mm-hmm. you know? And so. At first, she was very upset with uh, Andromeda, but then after a while... This is not planned. This yeah. is... But she becomes entranced, like, to where... Entranced. She kind of forgets that Andromeda's even there at yeah. times, because she's just so into it. Andromeda's like, I know you probably can't stay for this, but... um. And then Mercy's no, like... She, oh, yeah, but, but like then Andromeda's like you know kind of like she's got this probably grin like she's satisfied she's like okay and she puts her arm on the back of the chair and it knuckles touching against Mercy's back she knows see that's what I'm talking about so that's so sexy because it's very much like Mercy's whole spine lights on fire I feel like Mm -hmm. and it's just it's just such a subtle like hi yeah. <laughs> um, so, Testing and they, the at waters. this point, I think they both realize, like, oh shit, there's something here, but we don't have to do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that makes sense because Mercy's been burned before by another woman, which we're learning. And Andromeda's like, mm, maybe we should do something about it. Follow me. I'm going to start writing you some letters. Yeah, yeah. Mercy runs off after this, and Andromeda, persistent as ever, is like, I'm going to pen you a letter what she doesn't realize is that that was also a main form of correspondence between mercy and her previous Mm. now ex-lover who burned her letters in front of her beautiful letters so in the beginning mercy isn't super on board for this Mm -hmm. so basically her response to every letter is k or nothing she kind of leaves her Mm. on red yep and then (laughs) well she reads it but she doesn't necessarily say anything right exactly right and yeah and so then but it's finally i mean after she walks with angelica angelica's like oh you seem happy (laughs) (laughs) and she's finally like she writes back this letter and she's like thanks for the letter (laughs) thanks and i almost feel like um, andromeda's like challenged in a good way she's like oh yeah i bet you thought i'd something back she's like i bet you thought i'd stop by now but here's more about what's happening with my day yeah, and she chose a really beautiful medium to connect with Mercy on. Mercy's because she's a writer. a writer. She's a writer. She's a writer. 
And so they write back and forth, and Mercy begins to open up to the point where she sends her a poem. Yeah. And this is the first thing that she's, like, written from her beautiful, art-filled soul Mm. in years. Mm. Yeah. It's it's a beautiful poem. Um, And when she sends it... The timing isn't great. Yeah, because she gets no response. No. And, and she's just like... And she's like, oh, she read my poem, and now she knows that I I like like her, and she doesn't like like me. And she's and having all these, oh, like, oh, like triggers. Oh, she's, like, really triggered because... Trauma. She, yeah, the last person who said, who basically gave up on her was this woman who's like, oh, you're so silly. Did you really think this was going to work out? We only make out for now, but mm-hmm. I'm going to get married to this man right here. Right, and it's just so, Mercy's just, she's very low about this, and she's like, oh my god, I ruined it. Um, but meanwhile, downtown well, in Montgomery Ward. We kind Ward, of know. We kind of, you also know that Andromeda, Andromeda is trying to make moves happen on her boarding house. Right, she wants to open this boarding house, and she's going to see this other guy about a loan or something. Yeah, but she is an unmarried black woman. Yeah. And so there are people that are less attractive well, I mean, financially, to give this opportunity, but not less attractive because they're probably white men. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's obviously that this guy's like, he's a piece of shit. Yeah. And then also he's like, you know, if you were married or something. Yeah, if you fuck? had a husband, then I could do this. Like a cosigner or something? I don't know. But it was like, you but know. this won't stop Andromeda. She is savvy. She is feisty. She, she gets is, that yes. She gets that yes. And she's like, well... Yes, you know, I have a fiancé, my dearest beloved fiancé, who is real and (laughs) exists. And um, I'm going to – can I – if I show you that this fiancé who is real and exists is that, um, can (laughs) I have money, please? And they're like, yeah. (laughs) I mean, it was like – she was kind of like, uh, been here, done that. I'm going to trick you because she knows, the, you know, and she knows that she's like, okay, I've got to like trick this guy. I mean, makes sense. I mean, and I'm sure that this is not like the, I just, it seems like a terrible, terrible, like time to have to get money. Yes. <laughs> so, um, anyway, well, so especially she, for yeah. people of color and women right. of color, um, one of the things noted in this and then also in some of the other things that I was seeing when reading about the history of the time was that women of color really helped each other at this time that when they owned their businesses that they would loan to each other because Mm -hmm. they couldn't get it from the institutions. So that came from the community. They supported the community um, so that they could thrive and so that they could make their businesses happening because... (laughs) Systemic racism. Yeah, I, I I think that's so true, and I think even like that even now, like communities are supporting communities right now, and it's just mm-hmm. it's so important. So that it's evergreen. So so she has she's to make this happen. She, yeah, so she decides like she has like a friend who has a printing press who can basically help her f- like forge or create some documents that make it seem like she's going to get married. Yeah, um, and so she she decides and to go. It just so happens you know, that she has to pass through Harlem on the way back. Yeah, she goes up to the printing press, and on the way back, there's a snowstorm. Ooh, ooh, and she could not make it through the, the very, very pride, pride and prejudice. prejudice. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh no, I am stuck in the storm. I must stay here now. Um, can I sleep in your bed? 
Yeah, because I mean, <laughs> I was so happy. Basically, because she got stuck there, the only thing that could happen was to have her stay and rest up in Mercy's bed. Tea in bed. Um, yeah, when when Andromeda again breezes through the door at Hamilton Grange, this time probably covered in snow. Mercy again is so taken because again she hasn't heard hasn't anything, heard anything from Andromeda about her poem. And so she kind of doesn't know where they stand. Um, and so she's very nervous and also flustered because it's nighttime. Yep. There are bedchambers involved. This is a little inappropriate. Um, this <laughs> but is... in all the right ways. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, what would people say? Well, <laughs> gal pals. Um, so <laughs> Twilight gal sisters. Pals. Um, it's so it's, yeah. So they end up having like a. Well, I'm not <laughs> have a sleepover, but I think that was like, <laughs> no, slumber party. That's how it starts. Like, yeah, she's gonna stay and warm up. She's Mercy gives her tea, and they're talking. And I think, I think, I think at this point, Mercy kind of feels like maybe she's read the poem and is and just acting like didn't nothing like ever it happened and is ignoring it. So. And so she even kind of like says something to the effect of like, "Well, I'm sure you'll find a man to marry one day." <laughs> and Kevin yeah. is like, "You dummy." <laughs> Kisses her. Yeah, yeah, I know. I love Andromeda. She's just like, what? Oh no, that's. I don't think that's gonna happen. She's she's very like. I think she's kind of like she's sassy in that way, but in like a confident, like sexy way. She's like, no, that's definitely not gonna happen. And they end up kissing because it's like, and it's kind of like they reach like a moment where it's undeniable. They're like, so they finally kiss, and they finally kiss. They're in bed together, and ensues a night of passion. Night. Yay! Passion and joy. And miscommunication is, well, for now, avoided because they clear up that I never got the poem. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So they get that out of the way. Like, I haven't seen that, but I know it's going to be amazing. But I I think to read it even. I mean, I will read it, but I don't need to. I know it's awesome. Yeah, exactly. Because she's supportive. She's so supportive. And is very supportive. I mean, yeah. And it's just, I mean, it's beautifully written. It's, it's like satisfying because we've been waiting a long time, you know, from face touching to arm touching to letters, letters to just lower halves being ablaze. <laughs> <laughs> and now finally this night of passion. And so it's, it's really satisfying. I was so happy. And of course, the next morning, uh, Mercy's like, I'm going to just go make us some, some morning tea, get this. Yeah. Something like what? that. What is this paper? Hanging to dry by the fire? Oh, disaster strikes. It is an announcement of an engagement between Andromeda and a man. Who we know is a fake man, but But Mercy doesn't know that. And this is exactly what happened to Mercy last time. Damn it. So, (laughs) like, this is the exact same thing. So she goes into uber trauma response. Yes, she shuts down. She's pretty much like. Shuts down. No. Like, she's like, I even brought up last night. I said, I'm sure you're going to marry men. And she was like, no. She lied to me. She lied to me. She wants to be with a man. She doesn't really love me. Love is a lie. Um, love, yeah. And and of course, Andromeda kind of comes down and, and he's like, "Hey, honey, hi." All we're both glowing, glowing. right? And beautiful. Well, yeah, uh, both. I mean, Mercy's not glowing anymore. Oh no, yeah, she was. About <laughs> Her thirty glow seconds has sputtered out. <laughs> thirty seconds earlier, she was glowing. Yep. But you know, of course, Andromeda's like, "What's wrong?" And Mercy denies. Nothing's wrong. Everything's fine. Just I feel like you should get your stuff and go. My um, goodbye forever. Um. And Andromeda at this point gets mad. Yeah. And I I think it makes – yeah, pull out the quote. Um, (laughs) We have a quote for you because it's very powerful. And she gets mad at her because, like, she's noticed this pattern with Mercy, rightfully so, that Mercy – 
kind of like shuts down. Shuts and down, isn't willing to take chances, and is, well, it's, she's living in a world of fear. She's letting herself be ruled by fear and will not take the chance to love or be loved. And so she says to her, you're too cowardly to ever show your love. And then you wonder why no one gives it to you in return. Ooh. Oh, burn. Yeah, that um, burned. I definitely called someone a coward to their face before. It might have been the last thing I said to someone. <laughs> this seems personal. It this is. is very personal. Sometimes Declare's got to tell you what your bullshit is. <laughs> yes, and I think it's it's important sometimes because like we get into disagreements as as lovers do, like in general people do. And sometimes it's truth, you know, and sometimes there's like truth being told and I think this is very true and I think it hits Mercy in a very deep way that she can't even verbalize at the time, but and Andromeda hits it as being a, a woman of words and Mercy as a yep. woman of words herself appreciates it. So they they split up and then it's like Deep sadness. All by it's sad. I don't want to be all by myself. <laughs> it's been, you know, like sad montage. Like yes. sad montage time. Sad, and just days it, of like if you in thought that. what Mercy was doing before was her living in gray, mm. this is worse. Like, it's an mm. all-new low. Yeah. Like, even the moments of beauty that she would see before that she was holding back, it's like she can't even see those right now. She yeah. is just in the depths of despair. Yeah, nothing is, nothing tastes as sweet. The colors aren't vibrant. And it's depression. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Andromeda, like, who is Miss Feisty, Fierce, Passionate, she redirects all her energy into the boarding house. She's like, I'm just going to get this shit done. Like. She's- exhausts herself so she can just come home and fall asleep each day and not have to think. Yeah, and it's just sad. I think it's it's really sad to read because these two women really want to be together and obviously that that truth is sitting with mercy. So, um um so yeah, we obviously then have this pivotal moment with Eliza, Eliza who she knows about love. Yeah. She had a husband basically tell the entire nation that he was fucking another woman. Mm. Um, just got hurt. Because he didn't want them to think that he was stealing from his country. So he's like, I'm not stealing from my country. You see, I'm fucking another woman. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Right. Oh, that's, right. Oh, oh, good. All oh, right. Of course. Awesome. Um, you're never going to be president now. All right. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, Eliza knows a thing or two about grief, about loss. And Eliza really steps into her wing woman role. What's kind of fun is this is like a real historical person that existed, but she, in the story, fills in that wing woman position Mm -hmm. that we've seen before. Yeah, there often is this kind of supporting character who, I I don't want to say is always older, But in the books we've read so far is kind of like an older maternal or older sister brother type role who kind of then gives the voice of reason when there's the big miscommunication and says like, you've got to go get what you want. Got to do it. You got to stick in there. Love ain't perfect. Yeah. She got to show up for it. She (laughs) knows his mercy is really depressed. And so that's what Eliza does for us. She actually gives another quote that we really thought was beautiful, which is, if there's one thing I know well, it is heartbreak. If you have a chance to mend your heart or someone else's, do not wait. If you have a chance to forgive 
or be forgiven. Do not wait. Mm. Oh, it's sweet. I know. She's in there stroking a bust of her husband while saying this. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so true. I mean, she's kind of like embrace the richness of life and yeah. love while you can. And she's someone that did that. She did forgive Hamilton. Not only did she have to forgive him for the, that whole situation, but then also feeling like he was very responsible for Philip's death. That was another sort of thing that they yeah. like came back together over. So Mercy hears her mm. and she's going to go get her. She's going to go get her woman. She's going to run from Harlem down to Montgomery Ward. Yes. On a, probably in a carriage. Sorry. <laughs> but dramatically, dramatically Dra- going to find her love. And while going out the door, Angelica's like, you go get her, girl. Yeah. Like, very, very powerful moments. And she's like, okay. Um, and she, I mean, I don't know if she, I, she knows that she's in for it because obviously she has kind of put Andromeda through it um, with mm-hmm. this. And, uh, but at this time, she also really doesn't know, I think, that it's fake either, that she might. Yeah, she still she's, doesn't know that it was a fake announcement. But she's like, I didn't give her a chance to talk back. I didn't true. ask her what was going on. And she did the evening before say there were no men. Mm-hmm. Like, I do want her to be happy. That she, that's what she wants. But I, I should give her the chance to tell me what's up. It's a very mature reframe where she decides okay i'm gonna actually hear out my lover Mm -hmm. um and so she goes down to montgomery ward where andromeda is there and obviously andromeda is not going to just kind of fall back into her arms she's a little stiff rightfully so you gotta earn it yeah gotta gotta show her that you've grown and changed Mm -hmm. but i think mercy does they have a discussion you know obviously she's admitting and she's acknowledging her part in this and i can't remember if there's anything if there's i think there's like i mean this whole book was like quotable but there's just some powerful exchanges there and i think andromeda like realizes that mercy means her word and also mm-hmm. andromeda is able to tell her like by the way that engagement is totally fake and <laughs> and actually in an unfortunate twist, uh, my fiancé, who definitely exists, um, died uh, terribly. He's going to die off in a year. It's going to so, be really sad. I mean, it's unfortunate. I And I want I'm you. I'm so sad, um, but I'm glad you're here. Yeah, to be my real-life partner. I want you to be my real-life partner in love. I would like you to be the person that runs my boarding house, and I want us yeah. to live here together forever. In this, you know, in making art and being expressive. And, and I just think that, I, I, I don't know. I mean, and, and of course, they, they kind of fall into each other. And it's, it's oh. And they live happily, happily ever, ever after. after. Yes. And, ah. uh, and uh, you know, and so it was enough. It was enough. Love is enough. Love is enough. And I think it was just a beautiful a beautiful story. I love the way Andromeda, Andromeda sees Mercy. Oh, yeah. And she sees the, the, the kind of the inner pattern of sorts in, in the both the beautiful and the... Um, frustrating. The frustrating. <laughs> but I think Mercy also sees that in Andromeda, too, because she's an impulsive, kind of fiery person who goes for what she wants. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's important. So they're, they're well-matched, and I'm glad for them, and I'm happy for them. And it was exciting to read. It was. <laughs> 
And I know earlier we mentioned the author's note. Yeah. Which I would love to just take a second to chat about that because, oh my goodness, I'm ignorant. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I'm, well, both are not like, yeah, you <laughs> I, you're so ignorant. I'm so not. No, um, I definitely, while reading this, had moments where I was like, oh, like both of these are like free black women at this time in history. And like, mm-hmm. oh, like someone would own their own shop. Someone would be able to get a boarding house. Like, I guess, I mean, definitely a huge part is I'm not. Uh, despite being an amateur historian, um, I don't know tons about our history and when different things happened for um, people of color, mm-hmm. like when different freedoms were granted. And um, obviously things that I've learned is like things like the Civil War gave people the opportunity to earn their freedom. And she kind of calls out how this existed, like these people, these amazing powerful women men people of color were owning their own businesses at Mm -hmm. this time not only were they owning their businesses but they were like having to lift each other up to do that because Mm -hmm. they were working under a situation where people wouldn't loan to them and um like i love that like she knew that as sitting there having those questions she's like people are gonna be ignorant of this Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, and I, it's it's so true, and I think, like, I mean, w- the history we learn in schools is incredibly whitewashed, and we, I don't think we learn the, fur, the full, diverse, like, like, robust history, literally, of history. Um, and so, yeah, I, I definitely think, like, the concept of, like, um, someone, like, free black people, like, was obviously, like, okay, like, I had a concept of it, but to the extent that this story kind of, like, and expand on that. And I was like, yeah, I need to learn more about this. I need to read up more on this because this is part of history and it's important. And I just, yeah. So, I mean, when I was reading that author's note, I was like, wow, this is powerful to, to acknowledge. Right. Mm-hmm. And she also widened that because not only did she say that this, this is what black people were doing at that time. They were doing that, but the queer people. Yes. They have been here all the time, and there were people who had communities that supported yeah. them in their queerness. Because definitely, with it in this, like you have Eliza Hamilton be like, "You go get your girl." Yeah, yeah. She fully <laughs> acknowledges, like, "I get that. You, I see you're in love. I go." Can tell you really love that other woman there, and there's really no question. Like, there's not like, well, but it, no, it's like you're in love. Go do it. Go get her. And I mean, we can't say that the actual Eliza Hamilton had that open yeah. mindedness, but there were communities out there that embraced and accepted people. And that's something that's always been around. And I feel like as time goes by, it's growing more like as we're being better educated, as more people are being exposed to it. Yeah, Um, definitely. And I think, I mean, it's always so moving for me to read that too, because I, I, I think a lot of people view queerness as like maybe a modern, kind of like experience um I don't know how I mean like when you actually think about it I'm like how because like literally throughout history queer people have existed like there's no the idea that straightness is like a dominant sexual experience identity experience is is very it's a big lie yeah (laughs) um and it's it's the domineering it's the domineering one yeah and I just yeah and so I this is another reason why I like reading historical 
romances with queer characters because I'm like been there like we've been around yeah. we were here we we have we have these like robust stories we have like you know it's just and that was just really tender and, and meaningful to read yeah. so and yeah. I also love that Cole shared a little bit about her experience of when she wrote this that this was mm-hmm. the first thing that she wrote after the election of 2016 mm. which for Cole and then I believe for other people as well was a very devastating experience Right. I mean, I would imagine a lot. I mean, I know that some people felt triumphant in that moment, but I would say a good majority of. I would would say um, about 51 percent of uh, (laughs) voters did not feel that. (laughs) Um, I mean, it was a it was totally discouraging, frightening, terribly frightening. Yeah. Right. And so absolutely. And. That kind of also changed the way she wrote this previously. She was writing celebratory times and movements in America. But in this, instead, she was looking more at the characters living ordinary lives mm-hmm. in the backdrop of a company that's still finding its way. Oh, a country. Back of a country? The USA? Country? Yeah. <laughs> but USA is also a company. I'm just kidding. No, I don't. Because oh, you, you said company. company. <laughs> yeah. I thought I said country. No, it's okay. Well, you but know... The company of the United States. United States. I uh, don't want to shop there anymore. Corporation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but it's true. And I, so, yeah, that's, I mean, that's a and, powerful addition. Yeah, and I feel like she really connected with the Mercy character and that, like, this was her writing something beautiful mm. at a time of deep sadness. And Mercy was on this journey of grief, of layers of finding grief. the beauty, like, seeing the beauty, but then also being able to express it again. And so I loved, I loved her author note. It made me feel close to her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it was um, amazing. It was amazing start to finish. And it was, yeah, like all so many layers of grief, like, cause grief can exist in so many ways. It's not just the death of somebody. It's the loss of a relationship. It's the loss of a life you thought you would have. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's important to find joy and to, to find someone who can reflect that in you. Yeah. Super. I mean, it's necessary. But yeah, we we loved this book. We thought it was great. Yeah, it was. It was really good. I'm really looking forward. Um, I'm reading uh, A Duke by Default. I believe that's the title you name. You know, when you just end up being a duke default. by default. I don't know exactly why it's called <laughs> that yet because I'm just starting it, but I'm, I'm really excited. I really like it so far. And um, so please, you know, support more of Alyssa Cole's work. Um, I hope you enjoyed this kind of exploration this novella it was a beautiful experience for us and we hope to come back give you more goodness more goodness more fun stories more problematic situations i realized this one was a little bit less problematic which is kind of nice and refreshing yeah um yeah so i I think that's i I think that's it i think that's about all we have for you thank you so much for joining us for A A real bodice ripper. (laughs) All right. Take care, everyone. Stay safe. Thank you for listening to A Real Bodice Ripper. Intro, outro, trailer music is Air by D. Yan Key. You can find us and talk to us at the following. Instagram at A Real Bodice Ripper. Twitter at A-R-B-R Podcast. Or email us at arealbodiceripper at gmail.com. Take a care.
and many felicitations upon your household.